He is alive. My prayer this morning is that we understand that in the fullness, what it means for us individually, what it means to us as a church, what it means to us as a family, that this be more than just a, another church service, but that we'd see him, we'd see Jesus high and lifted up. He is glorified. May we glorify him in this time today. Turn with me in Psalm 86, the 86th Psalm. And while you're turning, just a little background. The Psalms are basically divided in three books of songs. They're divided in different types of songs. Psalms. There are messianic psalms, psalms of prophecy. There is imprecatory psalms where David prays for vengeance and God's power over the enemy. And then they are, there are the penitential psalms. The penitential psalms is when David is broken and needy and uh, the psalmist writes, Oh God, uh, I need you. I I'm against the only have I sinned. Lord, there's problems in my life. The enemies are after me. Well, this one is one of those kinds of penitential psalms. And many scholars believe that this psalm was written either in the midst of the greatest trial of David's life during Saul's persecution when his father-in-law sought to kill him or... In the midst of the greatest trial, uh, possibly when his own son run him out of his kingdom and took over. So David understood what it means to have heartache. David understood what it meant to look for answers. That's what I want to look at in God's word today. I get asked all the time, what about this in politics? What about this? And and there's everything you can imagine being thrown. That's why I'm so proud of these young people. All the stuff being thrown at them, and they still come to youth group. They still come and profess the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in believers' baptism. And I'm proud of y'all. I am. I mean, just thrilled beyond belief. Mike and Ray always helped me and uh, others back there, but Mike called me a while ago. He said, man, this is my favorite service when we do believer's baptism. It's one of the truest senses of the New Testament church is telling the world outwardly what happened to us inwardly. Now, some of you here today may not understand all that. Well, that's like some of these questions we get asked. How do you answer a question when they come to you and say, Pastor, why did my loved one have to die? They were young. Why? Hey, Christian, explain to me why bad things happen to good people. Why? Why are these hurricanes and why are all this stuff, earthquakes and 
fires and terrorism. And why does all why does God not care? And if there is a God, why don't He do something about it? Those pretty hard questions, aren't they? Jail, you've pastored for a long time. I'm sure you've heard questions come into your office. It's like, wow, that's mind blowing. How do you answer that stuff? Can anybody go to heaven? I don't, tell me, I don't understand. How could God save me when I've done this, 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 and this? I can give you Bible, but I can't give you what God can give you. I want want to tell you this morning. In Psalm 86, verse 11, look at this one verse. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord. Listen, I've had teachers who taught me the ABCs and the one, two, threes. And I appreciate teachers. I really do. Especially at my age, knowing they put up with people like me. I appreciate the effort that teachers put in. They taught me the basics. They, they taught me the reading and writing and arithmetic. They taught me those things. I've had coaches, and I've got a lot of my players here today that I've coached and am coaching. I've had coaches who taught me the rules, the basics and the fundamentals of the game. They've taught me, you know, how to dribble with my right hand, how to dribble with my left hand, what double dribble is, what traveling is. They've taught me how, how to take my hands back, how to bring them through, how to shift my weight, how to hold the ball. They've taught me those kinds of things. They've taught me the rules. You can't ground your club in the sand. They've taught me what out of bounds is and the etiquette of not walking across someone's line when you're putting. I, I've learned those basics. I've had... Instructors who taught me how to perform my duties and complete my task on the job. Not always in a pleasant manner either. Well, they said, you need to do this and you need to do it this way. And I I was one of those young guys that thought, you know what, I'll find an easier way. And it always seems to make a bigger mess. And so I had to learn how to complete my job. I've had professors who taught me biblical principles and precepts and doctrine out of the Word of God. Now I've had pastors who've taught me how to execute the office of a pastor and conduct church polity. And listen, I've had godly parents who taught me about life. Taught me about life. Friends. My children have taught me a lot. Listen to me now. Hear this. I wrote this down. It just came to me last night. The one thing that I have learned from many teachers through various instruction is this. Listen to it. The worth of the teacher is found in the value of the lesson. You see, there are hirelings who just want to give you the basics. They just want to give you this and get you through this part and move you along. You'll find that out in college. 
They just want to get you in and out. I've had coaches that just wanted to supplement. They just wanted to do whatever just to get by. I've seen that stuff. I've had others that wanted to advise me what they thought my life should be. And even my parents were limited. But I want to tell you something. When we come before the throne of God and we humbly and sincerely say, teach me your way, O Lord. Then listen, what do you imagine the worth of or, or the value of that lesson will be? Because the teacher is fully invested. Because Jesus wants us to know him so much that he came from heaven. Amen? The Son of God left the throne of God to come to earth to take on the robe of a man made lower than the angels, live without sin, mocked by his friends, despised by the world, and die on a cursed tree for you and me. Buried in a borrowed tomb. Risen on the glorious Lord's day known as Easter. And 40 days later ascended back and is sitting right this very moment at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. Now imagine, who's going to teach you better? Who's going to teach you better? Your friends that think they know it all or the Lord who does know it all? The coach that you really think is really cool because he does this or she does that? Or the one who's won the greatest victory of them all? He won the big game, okay? See, they're going to keep playing Super Bowls until the Lord comes back. They're going to play World Series every year, right? I mean, it changes, does it not? It changes. And, and, and whether it's the ACC or the SEC, whether it's the AL or the NL, whether it's the, the Warriors or the Lakers, or whether it's the Celtics and the Pistons back in my day, you're like, the Celtics, the Pistons. You, you don't really know basketball if you don't know the history there. But they keep playing it, don't they? Huh? Arnold Palmer, one of the greatest golfers, he's not even alive anymore. Jack Nicholas can't even hardly walk. They keep playing it. But the one game that separated the world, separated time, listen, when this one, when the clock stopped, when the world went dark, he literally changed time. That's the one we need to learn about. Now, hear me today. In this one, one song, one song, the name God, whether it is Adonai or El or Elohim or Yahweh is used 17 times. 17 times in one psalm. And the first person pronoun, the psalmist, refers to himself no less than 35 times. And he uses it in two ways. One is in supplication and the other in prayer, uh, a praise. He is praising God and praying to God. Praising God, praying to God. Seeking Him because He knew only He could help. 
all of the teachers in our life have had a place and a position in growing us as human beings. And they have contributed, contributed to our lives that we may contribute to others. But they all had their limits. Only one can teach us daily the path of righteousness. And only one can answer all our questions. Only one, listen to this now, only one has never guessed or given faulty direction. And that's the Lord. Notice with me again in Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Now, I love this word, unite. This word in the Hebrew is literally the name when in the text where Israel said, our God is one. He speaks of the plurality, not that there's more than one God, but that there's three persons in God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is the same word, this uniting, a bringing together. The psalmist said, teach me your way, O Lord. Unite my heart. Bring my heart. He literally was saying, tie me all together that I may be in you. Remember what Jesus said, Father in me and I in you? He said, he told the world, he said, I and my Father are one. Ephesians chapter 4 says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. See, the problem is we become, we become fascinated by the things of the world. And there becomes a duality of our life to where we think we've got church life and world life, church life and work life, church life, Christ life, family life. And we split it and we think God doesn't care. God just knows my heart. I got news for you. God does know your heart. God does know your heart. God knows whether you're sold out and want God to teach you. Some of you sitting here today say, you know what? I'm older. I don't, I, you know, I've learned enough. I don't know about you, but here, listen, I'm still learning. You know, I heard preachers teach me. They taught me. First, first Thessalonians chapter 5, this is something that stands out in my mind. They taught me. I heard, pre, you know, I heard it taught and preached to me. My parents taught me, pray without ceasing. You ever heard that scripture? Pray without ceasing. You know, it's just been in the last 8 to 10 years, I fully started to grasp what that little short verse means. It doesn't mean that everywhere I go, stop and go, close my eyes, fold my hands, bow my head, bend my knees, and pray. It's taught me that the spirit of prayer and open line of communication is continuous. Y'all remember when there wasn't cell phones? Amen's right. Listen, the night... I went and proposed to Becky. It wasn't one of these Pinterest special choreographed picture taking things. Listen, I broke up with one girl on Christmas Eve, a Christmas night, drove and stopped at the 76 gas station in Powder Springs, Georgia, and put a quarter in the machine. I'll never forget it was 12 o'clock midnight. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I said, you up? She said, yeah. I said, I'm on my way. 
I didn't call her on my cell phone and talk to her all the way over there because I didn't have one. Only James Bond and millionaires had car phones back then. And I got in my big jacked up 71 Chevrolet truck and drove down her driveway and walked in. I said, we're going to get married. That's how I proposed. That's exactly how I proposed. And she said, yeah, baby. <laughs> I can remember it snowing one time. And my brother and I decided, you know what? We live in Georgia. And squirrel season was still open. Deer season was closed. Everything else closed. Squirrel season the only thing still open. We were going to hunt in the snow. Sounded like a perfect idea to me. We drove up in the Paulding Forest, 26,000 acres, drove off behind the Primitive Baptist Church, and we went squirrel hunting. And eight hours later, and nearly hypothermic, we finally found the truck again. It wasn't smart to park your white Chevrolet four-wheel drive in the snow without GPS, and everything looked the same. We didn't have a phone to call anybody. We can FaceTime, we can Skype, we can Snap, we can do it. But I'm going to tell you, there's no place I can go that God can't be touched with my prayer. We need, number one, we need a uniting of our heart. You remember what he said in Psalm, I mean, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, the great commandment, what is it? To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. You know, the fullness of it. He was saying the uniting of ourselves together, making him first and foremost in everything else in our life. You can't give Jesus your head, not your heart. You can't give Jesus your heart, not your mouth. You can't give Jesus your feet, and not your hands. Because he's a jealous God. You think you're doing God a favor? God doesn't need us. Okay? God's sovereign. Did God ask your opinion on whether he needed to split the Red Sea? Did God ask Noah's opinion about the ark or did he just tell him go build it? And if you think God needs you, then you're more arrogant than you even think. Because listen... Your next breath depends on him, not you. And we need to understand God brings us into unity when we're sold out for him with a willingness to learn. He said, teach me. What about you? I didn't have a great big willingness in high school. I just didn't. I ended up with a GPA of... And thank God I went to a Bible college in the seminary where they believe in grace and mercy and long-suffering. And with the embarrassment that I won't even tell you what it was. And so understand that when I tell, tell you my GPA in seminary, not to bray. I, I don't mean it that way. But my heart was in it. I wanted to learn about the Lord. I, I wanted to... Grow. I wanted to be the greatest pastor. I wanted to be the best soul winner. I wanted to be what God wanted me to be. I understood. And so I ended up graduating with a master's degree and a doctorate degree with a 392. Now, you got to understand, it took a 95 to get an A. 
not a 90. An 88 to a 94 was a B. An 87 was a C, and that class didn't count. In the doctoral work, if you didn't make an 88 or above, you had to do it again. But that was not my motivating factor. My motivating factor is I want to know about the Lord. It was, it was about teach me in my mind. May I grasp your way. And what kind of way is that? Look in verse 5. It's learning his way of holiness. He said in verse 5, but thou, Lord, art good. Now what does that even mean? He's always good. You know, when I mention about why did so-and-so have to die, why does bad things happen to good people, we're putting our, our, our feeble eyes on a finite situation. Why do kids starve to death in other places? Why? You're not going to want to hear the answer, and I can tell it to you in your head, but God's got to teach it to you. And that is every person whether it's in Ethiopia or whether it's in Houston, Texas, or whether it's in the Keys in Florida, or whether it's in small town Georgia or middle of nowhere Europe, all men are born into sin. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they brought death upon all men. Do you think God loves people dying? Do you think God sits around licking his chest? No, God doesn't do that. Listen, I, I've got news for you. I remember, y'all remember when they got Osama bin Laden? Y'all remember? I was rejoicing in my heart. But you know what breaks God's heart? That breaks God's heart. And then we celebrate it. They stand outside of prisons when they execute or put someone to death. You know, I'm for the death penalty, but I don't think we ought to celebrate it. It ought to break our heart when people die in that situation. It ought to break our, we walk by a drunk, we go to a big city and we go out to eat or we go to a concert and there's some drug, there's some drug addict staggering around acting a fool and we laugh. You are a born-again believer. God, teach me your way of holiness, that you're always good. That breaks your heart. And we need to learn, God, break my heart with the things that breaks yours. Y'all getting this? I mean, I need this. Lord, teach me. If there's a title in this message, I've thought a thousand, that ought to be, Lord, teach me. Teach me your way of holiness. He's always good. What does that even mean? It means there's no bad in him. It's funny when someone outside the church is around me or something, and they think pastors are born pastors. You know, they think we were a caller in the crib or something. I don't wear a collar now. But they, they just think, you know, we've always been this way and this, you know, we've always, you know, we, at night we have our times of meditation and, you know, we listen to old Gregarian chants and Southern Gospel 24 hours a day. And, you know, there, there's this whole mindset. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm deeply, deeply flawed. 
I, I messed up. When Jeremiah spoke of the vessels that, could, that were broken and could hold no water, me, me. I have let my children down. I've let my wife down. I've let my parents down. I've let church members, I've let you down along the way. I've let the Lord down more times than I could ever begin to count. But can I tell you, being good in godly terms means he's never, ever, 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 never let anyone down. I don't, I don't know if y'all can, I don't know if y'all got that. There's not one time where you needed him as a child of God that he was not there for you. You may think God doesn't care about this world. Make no mistake about it. He's not lost control. And what is happening, God allows. Listen, it does not diminish the sovereignty of God. People are doing the things they do. It proves God's holiness because there's a great day coming of judgment. Make no mistake about it. God will judge your sin. You think nobody looks around, they laugh at you jokes, they think you're cool because you use these words or you say these things or tell these kind of jokes because you're around all the guys, you're around all the men, because you're around all the girls, y'all do this, you do that. And you think, oh, hey, they, I, they like me because of, I've got news for you. You're not fooling God because God is holy. We need to learn his way of holiness. He said in verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. It's not just his way of holiness. We need to understand his way of forgiveness. Two aspects to this. First of all, his way of forgiveness for me. Kelvin, you and I have talked. We both have passed. So does everybody else. The greatest thing we've had to grow to understand is forgiveness for us, right? That, that it doesn't matter if it's under the blood. Walk off from it. All of us have a past. Y'all listen to me. All of us have a past. Young people, you've got a past. So what? Give it to Jesus. Do you know the guy that died on the cross beside him that cried out, Lord, remember me, had a past, didn't he? Peter had a past. Paul was Saul. He killed Christians and Jesus still saved him. Don't you let the devil and this world tell you God won't love you and forgive you. Now when he does, then you revert back to number one, teach me your way of holiness. We don't keep walking in the ways of sin and say, oh, I'm forgiven. I can live any kind of way I want. No. When we understand the depth of his forgiveness for us, then we want his holiness. But also not only his way of forgiveness for us, but forgiveness for others. Now, about, I don't know about you, but I have a lot easier time letting the Lord forgive me than I do of me forgiving others. We went to my niece's wedding last night in absolute nowhere, Georgia. It's a little town called Bowden. And it wasn't even in the town of Bowden. It was between Bowden, Georgia and Ranburn, Alabama. Beside a cattle farm. One of these new hip, cool 
country places that you have the thing outside where all the bugs can be on you and you can sweat to death. Makes no sense in the world to me, but hey, I didn't have to do it and I could take my jacket off and I could run get me a dark coat. But in and going through all that, I got, we got talking to some friends, a pastor friend of mine that I ordained that we don't get to talk that much. We don't get to see each other much. And we got talking about past and they saw Ethan was talking about, man, he's grown up. And we all oh, the old days, they actually were with us the night Ethan ran away from his mother in the parking lot of Ryan's and got hit by a car. And they remembered. They said, oh, we just talked about that laugh. I said, you laugh? What kind of sick people are you? (laughs) But we talked about some of our churches, and I was talking about having PTCD. They said, you got what? I said, yeah, it it took us a while to get over. I said, we had post-traumatic church disorder. Y'all didn't laugh. Wasn't talking about here. Some of the things that happened to us in our life. Listen, some of us have post-traumatic family reunion disorder. Amen? Post-traumatic Christmas holiday disorder. Sometimes we, we face these things, but we need to understand that person you've held a grudge against forever. And I've talked about this because they took your mama's china. Really? I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals. I've seen people stick stuff in caskets. I've seen stuff, but I've never seen a U-Haul or a Brinks truck follow the hearse to the cemetery. Can't tell you, will you? Get that relationship right before the sun goes down. Lord, teach me your way. What did Jesus say on the cross? What's the first thing Jesus said on the cross? They've now nailed him. They have mocked him. They plucked his beard, plated a crown of thorns, thrust upon his brow, and all of them standing there wagging their heads, mocking him. What's the first thing out of his mouth? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Church, as we grow in the Lord and the Lord teaches us his ways, we need to understand his way of forgiveness, not only for us, but his forgiveness for others. Sometimes through us. And then a willingness to learn his way of faithfulness. Aren't you glad God's faithful? Huh? Aren't you glad he's faithful? That he saved. I, I, I was rejoicing. I looked over there and Timmy's just squalling, you know. And so I'm, I'm fighting it then. Thanks a lot. But the impact... I started reminiscing. Because then I thought, the whole brood, they're all saved. That that since paid professed Christ, every night since then, they've been able to lay down as a family knowing, we're all going to heaven. Praise God. I thought about that when Ethan got saved. Emily had already been saved. And then Ethan says, I got saved. I asked the Lord to come into my heart. Emily told me I had the devil in him. I need to get him out. I can remember that joy of knowing my family is going to glory one day. We need to learn his way of faithfulness. Look in verse 6. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. When I pray and beg you, God. 
In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you. Any of you have trouble today? Any of you facing trouble? You got personal problems? You got financial problems? You got problems on the job? You got problems at work? You got problems at school? You got problems in the home? Listen, anybody got any trouble? He says this. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you. (laughs) For you will answer me. Do you get that he is always faithful? Spouses are not always faithful. Teachers, you remember all those teachers? Coaches are not always faithful to their players. Teachers are not always faithful to their students. They don't have a bad day. They come in, put on a movie. Watch a movie. You know, they check out. Oh, well, just read over something. You know, sometimes parents... We check out. Well, I just think I'm tired. I've had a hard day. Just go in there and we'll talk about it later. We never do. The Lord's never had a bad day when we come to him. He's always faithful. Aren't you glad? A willingness to learn, but then the psalmist said we need a willingness to live. He said in verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. And I will walk. I will walk. Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will walk in your truth. It's a willingness to live. You see, this willingness to learn is with our head and our mind. But that unity, he said, bringing it all together, it means in our body, in our heart. I will walk with you. We walk in worship, he said in verse 9. All nations, all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. I love that song. You are God alone. I mean, did Laura not just bless your socks off this morning? Blessed her and she didn't even have shoes on. She was standing on holy ground. Man, I, I told her when, I, I, I didn't even know what she was going to sing. I said, yeah, you're saying, I love to hear you sing. But then... To hear the words of that blessed song. Man, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him and who He is. We ought to worship Him. Today, let us not leave here until we enter His throne with worship. You say, well, it's about over. Yeah, it is about over in the sense of the allotted time. But worship's not over. Worship's like that prayer thing. It's in the way I live. It's the way I conduct myself. It's in my heart. It's in the center of of my desire. It's, It's understanding who He is. All through the Word of God, we see God's people pray or worshiping Him in hard times. Y'all remember the widow woman who had enough meal, flour basically, wheat, she said, I, the, the prophet of God came. She said, I've got enough to make one little loaf, one little cake. Not a, not a loaf of white bread. One little cake. 
Me and my son's going to eat it and we're going to die. There's a great famine in the land. There was no food to be had, nothing anywhere. He said, make it for me. Make it for me. And the Spirit of God spoke to the daughter of God who listened to the man of God, and she did just that. And as long as there was famine in the land, there was meal in her barrel. She didn't know that when she made that cake. And I don't want to give the idea of prosperity that if we just do what God wants us to do, oh man, our, our, our meal barrel will be overflowing. Listen, there's a lot of people who did what God wanted them to do and they stoned them. Stephen was stoned to death. All right? So I don't want to give you this false sense of security that everything's going to go right. Let's not forget that over and over and over, they killed all the prophets. They didn't set up a hall of faith and praise, a hall of fame for the prophets. God did in Hebrews 11, but they didn't do it in Israel. They killed them. Cut them in half, stoned them, hung them, crucified them, murdered them any way you can imagine. They did not want to hear, thus saith the Lord. And so they killed them. They killed them. We need... A willingness to live. I will walk in worship. I will walk in praise. See, worship is understanding who he is. Praise is thanking him for what he does. Are you here today? Just check up real quick. Are you here? Are you breathing? All right. Anybody have to walk to church today? Not chose to. Had to. Is anybody, and I don't, listen, now I'm sincere right here. Don't raise your hand in this question, but if this question applies to you, come see me after church. Anybody going to go hungry today? God has blessed us, hasn't he? We got a lot to be thankful for. Hey, you may have lost a loved one. You may have gone through a nasty divorce. Your children may not listen to you. You may have lost a job. You may have been bankrupt. I don't know the vast number of problems you face, but I'm telling you, God is good to us. God has blessed you if you're still here. I had an old man one day, I said, how you doing? He said, any day above ground's a good day. God is good all the time. And we ought to walk in worship, walk in praise, walk in prayer. He said in verse 14, O God, the proud are risen against me. The assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not seen thee before them. But thou, O Lord, thou, O Lord, art God full of compassion. Thou art, Lord, are gracious. Thou art, Lord, are long-suffering. Thou art, Lord, plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give your strength unto your servant and save the son of thy handmaid. Listen, we ought to have a willingness to live in prayer, trusting him with everything. You got problems with your kids? Take it before the Lord. When's the last time you prayed over it? You got problems at work? When's the last time you prayed about it? Listen, prayer. Supplication. You feel like your world's closing in? Give it to the Lord. All the stuff in the news, all the just hatred, all the meanness, all the just accusations and everything else, 
Have you thought about praying about it instead of worrying and talking about it? Have you thought about praying for our country? Specifically, have you thought about praying for your enemies? That's what the psalmist was taught to do. And then he said in verse 17, our witness, show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it. The Bible says it's easy to love people who love you back. Right? It's easy to love people who love you back. It's hard to love them people that don't like you. Am I right? I told y'all this. I had a neighbor at first house we lived in when we got married. I literally, I'm not joking, but not making light of it. I got on my face before God and I said, God, I do not like him. Matter of fact, God, I can't love him if you don't love him through me. And so, God, I pray today, love him through me. And God said, okay, the first thing you got to do is pray for him because you cannot hate somebody you pray for. And so I began to pray for him. And God began to quicken my spirit that I may love him with his kind of love. That we may show the world, that the world may see in us. Not be ashamed because thou, Lord, has helped me and you have comforted me. Listen, it's a wonderment of love. When we're united in heart, in a willingness to learn, teach me. And a willfulness where our will is swallowed up in his, a will to walk. There'll be a wonderment of love. You remember, those of you who are married... See, I, I had a very fond recollection when I talked about stopping and putting that quarter in that phone booth. Because that's been a long time ago. It's been 32 years ago. And this coming Friday, or Saturday, the 23rd, what day is that? Saturday. This coming Saturday. I know what day it is, I just don't know what day it was on. This Saturday, we will, Lord's willing, celebrate 28 years of marriage. And sometimes I still just am in awe when I look over there. And I remember, you remember that fondness? Remember that wink, wink, nod, nod? You know that excitement? He's a hunk. I love, I love him. I love her. Oh, man. I can't hardly stand it until I see her again. And, hey, we may not have had cell phones, but we got the greatest thing in the world. Trey Price, you tell me if this ain't, ain't the truth. When they made those extra long phone cords, huh? That you could plug in to the ugly yellow phone, the ivory phone that hung in the kitchen, because that's the only phone we had. Now, we were poor folks. We had one phone. We didn't, I thought... The kids that had their own line. You remember those kids? Spoiled brats. They must be filthy, stinking rich. They've got a phone in their... They've got their own phone number. Now we wish nobody had our number. But we would take that phone and I'd dial. I didn't have to dial the area code. Y'all remember them days too? And I'd dial nine, four, three... Two, five, three, nine. And I'd hear, hello. I said, hey, baby. 
She said, hey, baby. And so we'd begin to talk, and I'd take, hey, come on now. Y'all remembering this now, don't you? I'd pull that cord because we'd done stretch, and I could stretch that thing around the wall, and I could lay down on the couch. Oh, that was the life. Sometimes we think we got too old for that. We don't hold hands. We don't wink at each other. We don't say, I love you, baby. We don't buy flowers or candy or whatever. We say, well, he's old enough. He can just buy what he wants. Don't, just don't. All right? If you want to be all drawn up and old, just be old with yourself. I refuse to. I still look at her like I did 30 years ago. And I, we ought to be enamored. But listen, that, that times a thousand ought to be our wonderment of love for him. You remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? When you first understood, like these young men did this morning, that Jesus died for you, you wanted to tell the world because you just couldn't understand why anybody wouldn't want what you got. When's the last time you told anybody? Today is back to church Sunday. It was our high attendance day. We had, I think, right at 180 in Sunday school. Praise God. Listen, these two are pretty full. But look, we got room we can still grow, don't we? Y'all know we still got 150 chairs in there we can bring out. Do you really love somebody enough to invite them to understand the love Jesus died for you with? Today. Today as they come to the instruments, I want you to ask yourself, when's the last time the Lord taught me anything? Or am I, I, I just refuse to learn. I'm too old to learn. I'm too smart to learn. I'm too cool to learn. I'm too young to learn. I've heard them say, hey, when I get older. And they never make it. Some say, oh, listen, I, I've got to make my living. When the kids get a little older, then we'll go. They never make it. And excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. But today, 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 do not put off the calling of God into your life and come and say, Lord, teach me. And the first, listen, the first thing you've got to ask him if you don't know him is, Lord, teach me your way of salvation. That Jesus died for my sins. That I will not die and go to heaven because I'm a good person. Or that it will all work out. But that Jesus died because I'm a sinner. And that if I believe that and confess it with my mouth and believe it in my heart. You'll save me. Lord, save me today. Teach me what it means to be a child of God. This is a sacred time. And listen, you may be fine with God. You may be sitting there and you're loving God, you're walking with God, then don't get in the way because you're ready to go eat lunch or you're worried about something else that you get so busy putting everything up. The person beside you or behind you may be lost and on their way to hell. And your interference because of your lackadaisical attention to the Spirit of God may hinder them. Today, if you are saved, you know you're going to heaven, you know everything's right, will you pray with me right now in your spirit? and ask God to move in their life, we're fixing to stand. If you're saved, you need to come and surrender your walk to Him. That you may love Him with that wonderment. That you may learn of Him to be that witness. That you may walk in Him. That when people see you, you would not teach them false things. And when they come, will you come pray with your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ? 
God's calling you to salvation. God's calling you to believer's baptism. God's calling you to join Eastside Baptist Church. God's calling you to surrender in repentance and serve Him. Right now, stand and come. Right now. Right now, without hesitation. I'm not going to beg you, but God is coming.